This season, we've taken you from the fields of Donaldsonville to the swamps of Henderson and to the coast at the edge of the world. For our season finale, we're taking it home to hear from current Atchafalaya National Heritage Area Director, Justin Lemoyne, on some of his favorite Atchafalaya adventures and what's next for the heritage area. Unique, mysterious, untamed. These are just a few words that describe Louisiana's Atchafalaya Basin. I'm Caroline Byrne, Assistant Director for the Atchafalaya National Heritage Area. Join me on an adventure through the wild and rich culture and landscape of the Atchafalaya, America's foreign country. America's Foreign Country is produced by the Atchafalaya National Heritage Area with support from the Louisiana Office of Cultural Development, the Office of the Lieutenant Governor, and the Department of Culture, Recreation, and Tourism. The mission of the Atchafalaya National Heritage Area is to preserve and promote the Atchafalaya's unique heritage by fostering progress for local champions that create authentic, powerful connections between people, culture, and the environment. This is America's Foreign Country. This season, we've taken you from the fields of Donaldsonville to the swamps of Henderson and to the coast at the edge of the world. Today, we're bringing it back to Atchafalaya HQ with the executive director himself. Um, Justin Lemoyne, I'm the executive director of the Atchafalaya National Heritage Area. Little background, I grew up in a small town in Avoyles Parish called Plosheville, Louisiana. People confuse it with Clutcherville, but not the same spelling, not the same location. Uh, literally grew up on the Bayou Chou Peak um, from a pretty large Catholic Cajun family. I have 40 first cousins, and um, I think I've spent my life at large events that were either family or some sort of a community event. Got my degree of landscape architecture at LSU in 2006 and have been in the design and kind of cultural field ever since. So being from the northern end of the Atchafalaya, is there anything you've learned about Avoyles that you didn't know before you started or did you kind of have a good handle on it? I didn't really realize until I got older just how much of Avoyles Parish is... Um, undeveloped natural land related to the previous paths of the Mississippi and Red and Atchafalaya rivers. So it was, uh, I, I think I learned a whole lot about what a, a vast expanse of wilderness of Oils Parish really is. So how did you find yourself working for the Atchafalaya? It's so strange how everything, how life just kind of evolves for you over time. Um, I ran my own landscape architecture practice for seven years. I actually practiced um, in landscape architecture for almost 15 years before I took a job at the Center for Planning Excellence as the, their director of implementation. Um, right after I started there, I found out that this job may be coming available, and I didn't really understand fully what the heritage area was back then. I, I knew a little bit about it. I'd seen the brown signs, and I knew that it had a lot to do with, you know, enhancing the culture of the region. But then whenever I saw the job application and the uh, responsibilities, I was like, wow, that's that's a really, really interesting opportunity. It kind of pulled together a mix of my landscape architecture background, my community engagement and volunteerism, and then my interest in the arts and uh, community gatherings, community events, um, all into one place. And I wasn't even sure I was going to apply for it at first, but then uh, I'm glad I did. And somehow I beat out, you know, a hundred something other people and got the job. 
Well, we're all glad that you applied. So talking about national heritage areas, I know you and I have both kind of been faced with the fact that people don't quite have a grasp on what that is. So can you tell us a little bit about the program? Yeah. Um, the Heritage Areas program obviously was created in, uh, maybe not obviously, it was created in the um, 80s during the Reagan administration, and it was envisioned as, the National Parks program was envisioned as a way of preserving significant natural environments that were sort of quintessential parts of what made America, America. And the Heritage Area program was uh, developed in that same vein, but but not as a land ownership opportunity, not really as a necessarily a, a, a preservation by the government, but more of an overlay district concept that seeks to preserve the cultural resources of a region as it's significant to the country. And so the Atchafalaya region is, is one of 59 areas that was selected, and it was selected because the environment is significant to the rest of the country, the way that we live with uh, water resources and how significant our water resources are for the rest of the country. But then also about our, our distinct aspects of our culture, our French language, our Spanish language identity, the blending of the different cultures that come together to create such a rich, vibrant tapestry in this region. So what's something you wish people knew about the Atchafalaya, about how it fits in with the greater U.S. story, about maybe something you want residents to know that maybe don't have quite that appreciation for the place that they're in? What would you want people to know about it? I think uh, what I'd want people to know is just how significant our natural environment is here in this region. This is significant not only to us, but also to the country as a whole, and I'd argue to the natural environment as a whole for the U.S. I mean, this is the largest freshwater swamp in North America. 41% of the water in North America drains right through the Atchafalaya National Heritage Area through either the Mississippi or Atchafalaya River. So, you know, while it's just sort of a swamp, a backdrop to us. It's actually one of the most significant landscapes in the country. I'd say on par with Yellowstone. I might be biased, but I would agree. Uh, so a little more just about our program itself. We give out grants, and I'd say we worked on some pretty cool ones in the almost two years since we've both been here. Are there any that stick out to you? I think there are a couple. Um, the first is the Louisiana Virtual Immersion Program that was, uh, as you know, born out of the COVID-19 shutdown and students not being able to attend in person. This uh, It was envisioned as an opportunity to further the uh, preservation of the French language cultural identity in the region. And, um, you know, through videos, through educational resources, it was just a, a huge opportunity to broaden the general public's understanding and um, I guess, appetite for preserving the French language. Um, and then the second one is, is something that ANHA hasn't really jumped into a lot, which is the recreational sphere, is the floating swamp turtle campsites that the Boy Scouts of America uh, developed out there in the Henderson Swamp. Those are just super fun. And just seeing those have opened up so many more opportunities for environmental education that didn't exist by having these platforms there out in the basin that can be moved around to pretty much any location as long as the water's the right level. And if you want to hear more about those, you can go listen to episode two, our interview with Ben Pierce, who spearheaded that project. So what grants are you hoping to see this year? What gaps do you think we have? If someone's looking for a project in a community, what do you think might score well with us? I think recreation and environmental resource stewardship. So, you know, 
talk uh, recreation, especially connecting people to the resources in the community, you know, bike walking trails or even just access into a, a, an important natural resource like boardwalks into wetlands or a path in, you know, the native Cajun prairies. I think those are both that would be something that we haven't really gotten into that we would love to get involved in, not only from a, a grant standpoint, but also just from a technical knowledge standpoint. Uh, my background in landscape architecture allows me, you know, almost 20 years of experience in knowing how to develop these types of projects. So I'd love to be able to take a chaflaya in the direction of supporting a lot more of that. It's the community benefit. It's also just a preservation benefit for the community. I'd like to see us have a more active role in um, helping people to respect and value the natural landscape that we have here, uh, you know, whether that's through working with Keep Louisiana Beautiful, awareness campaigns on how people can um, basically just clean the state up a little bit more, but also just helping people to like really be educated on the um, really delicate nature of the different ecotypes that we have here in the region. Yeah, I think especially with COVID, the recreation and appreciation for natural resources really took on a, a greater appreciation because that <laughs> well, was all people could do. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, this is Sportsman's Paradise. It's the Bayou State. Our monikers are often centered around taking advantage of our natural resources. So why not do that in a way that maybe creates some economic development opportunities, especially for rural communities and small towns that oftentimes, you know, lack those big investment opportunities, but can still incentivize uh, visitorship through capitalizing on, you know, what we've been blessed with, which is this great setting in nature. Speaking of capitalizing on our great natural resources, we don't just give out money, we also partner with organizations, including the Lanier Program and the Arbor Task Force. Can you tell a little bit about that since you've been highly involved with Lanier and we both have journeyed through the Arbor Task Force timeline? <laughs> the Arbor Task Force creation was really good timing for both of us starting here at Atchafalaya and for folks that don't know what that is, it's the Atchafalaya River Basin Restoration and Enhancement Task Force. This is a group stood up by Governor John Bell Edwards that brings in stakeholders from private industry, from fishing, from landowners, from you know the ports and navigation to the Corps of Engineers and USGS, basically everyone that would have a stake in understanding the challenges and the opportunities to preserving the functionality of America's largest river swamp. So, um, you know, we don't sit on the task force, but I, I like to look at us more of as an advisor, especially as it relates to how the culture of the region is so significantly tied to all the natural resources, the hazard mitigation, the, you know, flood storage capacity, and just the, the function of this living natural ecosystem. And so we've We've attended all the meetings. We've certainly reviewed and made comments on um, the recommendations. And I think it, it, it's important that while we don't have any sort of authority over rules and regulations, that we stay involved and educated because the the recommendations, the policy recommendations that come out of the task force ultimately are going to make their way down to actual enhancements of the physical environment, either through flood control or through ecological restoration. And as educated as we can be about that, we can then support our communities in helping to get those resources where they need to be so that we continue to, you know, thrive as a region. 
Lanier is a tremendous opportunity. Louisiana is the only coastal state in the U.S. that does not have a NEAR, and a NEAR is a National Estuary and Research Reserve. The program is funded by NOAA, um, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association. And this, this series or this network of research reserves look at estuary and environments along coastlines, and there's an overall monitoring program that helps to look holistically at how any kind of adjustments or changes in the climate affect the country as a whole. So what's happening, you know, in uh, on coastal Texas or even on coastal Maine can be monitored in real time at the same time as what's happening in coastal Louisiana. So it helps NOAA and it helps scientists and policymakers make informed decisions based upon real time data that's being harvested at all of these locations. And then there's the opportunity through NOAA to add a layer of education onto that in terms of what the natural environment is, what the benefits of the natural environment are, and what maybe some of the threats are to the environment and how those would trickle down ultimately to the economy of an area as well as just the livelihood of people that live in an area. I know we're both very excited about that program, as are lots of people in the heritage area. Absolutely. I think especially our folks uh, on the southern end of the heritage area, kind of, you know, starting in New Iberia, but really around Morgan City, uh, those folks are, are, they see the value in a research facility and in programming that helps to monitor and um, stabilize the natural environment around them because, you know, Morgan City and all of the, the coastal communities are on the front lines of learning what adapting climate is going to look like and how their economy and how their their culture responds to that and adapts and hopefully thrives into the future. And being from Morgan City myself, that was particularly heartwarming for me to see, what was it, almost 200 people at the actual meeting? Yeah, to talk about science. (laughs) It was incredible. It was staggering. The Atchafalaya River Basin Restoration and Enhancement Task Force, or ARBOR for short, was stood up by Governor John Bell Edwards to address issues that threaten the ecosystem, navigation, and flood control in the Atchafalaya River. You can learn more at coastal.la.gov. The Louisiana National Estuary and Research Reserve is currently in the site development research stage. NOAA provides funds to NERS for research and education related to estuary and environments. Presently, Louisiana is one of only three coastal states without a NER. For more information, visit LAC Grant, that's L-A-S-E-A-G-R-A-N-T dot org slash Delta NER, D-E-L-T-A-N-E-R-R. So to bring it back to our organization a little bit, we completed a strategic plan with Lafargue in 2021 that you know, kind of just gave us a look at the next five years, kind of condensed our two-volume management plan. Based on what he came up with, what initiatives or discoveries are you most excited about implementing? I think I'm most excited about figuring out ways to support small communities, um, to support cultural resources, to enhance programming, to um, just preserve some of the unique aspects of the culture that we take for granted as just regular everyday residents. And um, I think part of the strategic plan identifies having a specific position that would look primarily at where the gaps are in technical resources in preservation in, um, you know, community stabilization, and then figuring out ways to get 
more resources to them, either financial or technical resources in the small communities. And that's often where a lot of resources make their way to large towns and big communities where there are people that already know about how to support themselves. But these small communities just absolutely need all the help they can get. I agree. And I know we both live in Baton Rouge, which is a large community. And obviously we both want to see Baton Rouge succeed. You do the Mid-City Makers Market and I'm in Forum 225 and we want the the big cities to, to succeed. But being from the small towns, it's I think they'll hold a special place in our hearts always. Yeah. I mean, I, my town is 300 people. Uh, the town where I grew up in, I like to say I live in the suburbs of the town because I live outside of the incorporated area on the bayou. And when you live in a small town like that, you don't know what you don't know. And so taking the knowledge that we gain by living in a big city and figuring out how to get that help there and how to be able to do more for the small communities so that they continue to thrive is very, very close to my heart. All right. Anything else you want to share? Anything you want people to know? You know, assuming that we get our full 15-year reauthorization and we're here for at least 15 more years, I'd like to see us just become a strong partner in helping communities realize the economic development potential in what they already have. Um, Helping communities of all sizes just almost do a self-audit and say, well, these are all the great things that we have. These are the things that we love. And when people do travel here, these are the things that they love. And so how do we capitalize on those in a way that continues to support our community Um, but doesn't jeopardize the quality of, I guess, maybe the historical or the cultural integrity of what makes those things so unique. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Achafalaya underscore NHA for all things Achafalaya. That's A-T-C-H-A-F-A-L-A-Y-A underscore NHA. Special thanks to Justin Lemoyne for speaking with me today. Our music is by Jordan Thibodeau at La Rodaille, with permission from Valcor Records. The National Heritage Area Program is a partnership with the National Park Service. NHAs are designated by Congress as areas that tell nationally significant stories through natural, cultural, and historic resources. Designated in 2006, the goal of the Atchafalaya National Heritage Area is to preserve and promote the natural, recreational, and cultural resources surrounding the Atchafalaya River and its basin. For more information about the Atchafalaya National Heritage Area, visit www.achafalaya.org. That's www.achafalaya.org. You can learn more about the Louisiana Office of Cultural Development at crt.state.la.us slash cultural development. Support for this show comes from the Louisiana Office of Cultural Development, the Office of the Lieutenant Governor, and the Louisiana Department of Culture, Recreation, and Tourism.